Hi, this is Keith, and this is Klezmer Podcast 44 for Wednesday, December 10th, 2008. The website is www.klezmerpodcast.com, and you can reach me at keith at klezmerpodcast.com. My guest on this episode of the podcast is Toronto-based vocalist Mitch Smolkin. Mitch has a newly released Yiddish and English CD entitled A Song is Born. And you can read my review of the CD on my blog at klezmerpodcast.blogspot.com. This interview was recorded on October 22, 2008 in La Jolla, California, while Mitch was attending the International Association of Yiddish Clubs conference. So let's get right to it. Here's Mitch Smolkin. Hi, this is Keith, and welcome to Klezmer Podcast. Uh, today I'm speaking live with Mitch Smolkin in La Jolla, California. He's here visiting for the International Association of Yiddish Clubs. He's going to be performing uh, a little bit later this week. Uh, Mitch, welcome to Klezmer Podcast. Thanks. It's great to be here. Uh, how do you like being in California so far? Uh, the first day was great. You know, it's nice to walk outside and wear a t-shirt and, you know, and, uh, you know, the sunset on the ocean was really pretty too. It's nice. Nice to get out of, out of Toronto. I've <laughs> <laughs> been bouncing around a little bit the past few weeks, so I kind of feel, you know, I don't really know where I am. <laughs> Just putting one foot in front of the other. <laughs> Very good. Well, you're here with your band. You have your band here? No, for... I don't. Okay. No, we're actually working with a, a pianist actually from, from, uh, Los Angeles and, and then Adrian Cooper's coming in from, from New York. Be nice to have them here, but hopefully hopefully soon. So if anyone's listening that wants to bring us, you know. Yeah, we need to have another event and have you bring the whole band. Yeah. That's uh you know, kind of a requirement pretty much. They need to have the band. But for now we'll have just you and the and the company us and Adrian, I suppose. But you have a new album out called The Song Is Born. Why don't you tell us about it and, and what the uh album was all about? Uh so in Yiddish uh it's nice to nice to speak in Yiddish too. It's Anigen is Geboiden, which you know is more closely translated as a, as a melody, but the English title seemed to to fit better. And uh, it uh, started one evening when I was uh, my swan song, so to speak, from leaving the uh, art, uh, artistic directorship of the Ashkenaz Festival, and uh, I, <laughs> I woke up Marcello Mogoleski from. Uh, Buenos Aires because I think he was so drunk that he'd, he'd passed out just outside of the Lakeside Terrace at Harborfront Center in Toronto and told him that we had to go perform. <laughs> and uh, he, he quietly asked me what, what we were performing again, and I, I sung him the melody in his ear. And, um, and if people could play half as well as he did, you know, <laughs> drunk and, and having heard the melody once, then we'd all be, we'd all be in heaven. Uh, and, and that performance that night... Um, really uh, told me something about the kind of music that I wanted to make, at least, you know, specifically making a, a record, because I felt that uh, um, I do a whole range of performing, whether it's Yiddish theater music or Yiddish folk music, uh, but I had hesitated and waited for the right moment to actually make, make a CD, and uh, this, I think, for me, really captures my uh, instinct to... Uh, to to sing and to perform 
um, with quite a bit of improvisation and, and uh, I, I went to theater school and that was my background. So I think that as I was developing as a musician and, and playing with different people, I realized that I approached music uh, very intuitively and, 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 you know, very emotionally uh, as opposed to um, as opposed to cerebrally or, 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 or technically, even though, of course, you know, uh, I train technically, but when it comes time to figuring out music. So uh, these musicians that I brought together, I think the reason why I brought them together uh, was because they all had a propensity to play intuitively. Um, so the two guys from Buenos Aires, uh, Marcello Mogolewski and Cesar Lerner, Paul Brody from, from Berlin, um, this percussionist uh, uh, Boris Sihan from British Columbia, um, the producer of the album Levon Achanian, who's this uh, Armenian guitarist and uh, a female singer from from Toronto, and you know, as Levon put it, when we came to rehearsal, it was like uh, being at the zoo and just opening up the cages, and everyone, you know, kind of comes out, uh, you know, many languages and um, and just a real, uh, you know. The songs, I think, are, are very melodic, and that that's what kept everyone very interested. Is is they're not difficult songs in one way, um, but the melodies are, are are very heavy, and and that really drives, I think, the the album and and the sort of sequence of songs. Um, yet, you know, yet I've heard from people that it sounds very you know filmic or like like a, like a film score or, or theatrical, and that that wasn't necessarily a conscious. Uh, attempt, but I think by by virtue of the musicians, it was be, you know it was, it was sort of a natural outcome of 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 this of this creation. And what was the source of the material? Is it existing stuff? Is there some original stuff in there too? There's there's a there's a bit of everything. Um, but it's funny when I was talking with uh, Teresa Tova a number of years ago. Um, we talked about, you know, I was sort of talking out loud about my, my, my desire to make an album. And, and she talked about her own process about finding songs that she had lived in. You know, um, uh, Stanislavski, one of the great, you know, theater directors and, and sort of writers of, of acting method, talked about that you never really get, you know, in the heart of a role until you've played it a hundred times, you know. Uh, and I guess I felt to some degree... Uh, that way about the decision I was going to make for for this music was that they had to be songs that I had lived lived with and that had affected me in very personal ways. Um, and the only exception to that um, was a song that Marcello Mogolevsky brought with him uh, called Liebe, Love, um, that uh, uh, I think it's Ehud Toker had written, a, a Buenos Aires poet in Yiddish and... and Marcello wrote music too, and he brought it to me the first day of rehearsal, and I immediately fell fell in love with it. Um, but I think that that spoke to the collective nature too that he that this song had had you know really affected him very deeply and was representative of what he was going through, and there was kind of a sense of transference at that point, especially in the recording studio. So, um, you know, I, I love the fact that the songs have been written over you know a uh, hundred year period. I think probably one of the earliest is Papyrus Doch Weiss, which was written, you know, 1906 or somewhere around there. And uh, the most recent, you know, Liebe or uh, this, this choral piece that, that we talked about earlier that uh, had just been written now probably two or three years ago. Um, 
so that that was you know the basic temperature of of the selection of music um uh and obviously with you know a bit of thought towards creating a soundscape or creating a, a certain you know musical arc and emotional arc on the on the album so we did we did cut away a little bit and and i did consider some music that i didn't that i didn't go with uh and then at some point in rehearsal when we came out of a really heavy you know rendition of a song uh cesar uh started to play the introduction to vunetman abisla mazel just you know <laughs> uh to to kind of you know kind of lighten everything up and uh, i kind of looked at him and said let's do it you know <laughs> like it would be great and i ran up to the uh booth i remember at the theater where we were rehearsing and they had internet in in the in the sound booth and uh printed off the lyrics just to make sure that you know uh we had everything and ended up making it on the album so <laughs> you know some stuff was was very premeditated in a way and other things emerged from the process oh interesting way of uh going about that and it's yeah. cool that other people brought some some things to the project yes yeah um so let's talk about some of the different uh forms that are on these songs and and how you uh assemble these some of them they're all very diverse yeah. uh you know the musicians it, it was very interesting because i had lived with songs it was also important to turn them on their head because it wouldn't have been that exciting for me for us you know the musicians and i think for the listener to simply you know uh record what what, what we'd done for 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 a long time uh, or what I had done. Uh, and that was a challenge, too, because I had been married in certain you know ways to how I had performed songs. Yet, you know, I brought together um, quite a diverse range of, of musicians, which reflects, to some degree, how I live my life. Uh, I like to have creative tension. You know, I like for things not to be in... Um, you know, negative tension, but to have a tension that's always forcing the mind and, and the sort of, you know, the soul to, to keep opening up. And that was very much the process of how uh, we arranged the songs um, that, that you know, again, to go back to this idea of, of sort of playing by, by intuition, um, we, we would try various things. Um, but at the same time, we would try and you know, knowing knowing how we come to understand a piece of music or how it exists in sort of a collective consciousness, we then wanted to kind of rip rip that out. So a song like Die Zunwet Aruntelgen, which is often sung, you know, um, I wouldn't say we, I wouldn't say nostalgically, but uh, it's a song about death and and perhaps a very optimistic song or, or a comforting song. Uh, and I've been asked to sing it at a number of you know funerals. Um, and it's, you know, it's like Tom Jones, like we, you know, starting off with, with a didgeridoo and we just made it, we, we made it very dirty. And, um, I remember close colleagues of mine, uh, singers and stuff after, you know, said they'd never, they'd never really seen that, you know, that side of me, uh, come out before. Um, so that, you know, that, that was one sort of color on the album. Uh, and then, you know, in other cases we, um, we, we went very sparse, uh, you know, Philip Glass, for instance, influenced, uh, I think, Until uh, Deine Weiße Sterren on the album, which uh, actually starts earlier with the, with 
a beautiful interlude with Marcello Mogilevsky. He overdubbed himself six times on the album, but then goes into this very kind of sparse, almost music box kind of, uh, you know, the first two verses, and then uh, and then sinks in. So there was this real desire to, um, you know, to 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 really again turn turn things on their head interest ourselves you know force ourselves you know i remember i remember like when we were rehearsing and we'd be we'd be doing a rendition of the song i just wanted to stop and and you know uh and say this isn't working but i i forced myself to just to just hang on a little longer just to allow the sort of new you know vibe to to enter you know a little longer so that maybe i could i could see and, and i'm really glad that i did because uh I listen to some of this now and, and, you know, and it's perfect. I mean, you know, it's, it's perfect, uh, for now. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good way of putting it. (laughs) Uh, one of them is like a, a blues song kind of what I think it's bluesy, but it's also, um, there's, I don't know. Blues kind of, it's, it's, it's very honest very often, you know, It, it, it's not it's not sugar coated, you know, it's the blues. Like right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that that's what uh I kind of loved about singing that song that way is that you know, um it's just a very honest appeal to to how we really experience, you know, life and death and being able to look someone in the eyes. Yet there's a you know, there's something cathartic, you know, about the blues or about, you know, uh recognizing something and not having to sugarcoat it uh that that we're all longing for something <laughs> so there's this collective you know where i always feel that when i'm when i'm singing that that tune and, and to the audience i always feel like there's a part of me that wants to wrestle people from uh, from apathy or wrestle wrestle them from you know shying away from our our the human condition because you know we're all in it together so there's no reason to you know, have to hide in our little holes in that, or, or rather, there's no reason to fear uh, the progression of life. So, I think that that you know, really, that really, you know, that stemmed from our sort of collective desire to 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 find something very honest. Uh, so, you know, with 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 these musicians, there was a real sense that I could could go there 100. percent I didn't have to hold back. Mm. Yeah. And one of the other ones I thought interesting, we talked about this a little bit before, was the the choral piece, which um, comes out of left field kind yeah. of on the album, but it, it sounds great and and is a great idea. So tell me how you uh, came up with that. Uh, well, first of all, I love I love harmony. I feel like harmony is something very alchemical. When there's you know two voices or three voices or four voices, it's it's like mixing different you know, uh, elements together to form something new, but like an alchemy, something that's actually actively happening. So I think the desire to perhaps both have a lot of harmony on the album with another singer and, and at times, you know, my own voice uh, stems from my love for that. This particular song uh, was written um, by a Winnipeg composer, Sid Rabinovich, and I was hired uh, f- about four years ago to to sing a solo it's a song cycle it's one piece called Shabbos so the so the choral piece on this album is actually only one of uh, I think it's a song cycle that has four pieces with with the first song with a reprise at the end called uh, In America 
you know, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a song cycle about immigration. But when I performed this solo in this piece called Shabbos, which describes the sort of Friday night table and, um, you know, and the ritual of, of Shabbat, and uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not observant. Um, I've gone through many stages, you know, in, in my life, in uh, um, this whole idea of, you know, breadth and, and all of that. But what's so beautiful are, are so many of these traditions, whether they're melodies or whether it's it's an aesthetic, you know, whether it's the Friday night table. Uh, and my uh, grandfather had a prayer book that he kept in the drawer in, 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 in their dining room. And he'd, he'd uh, used it so much that where he licked his thumb to, to turn the page, a hole began to develop in the in the pages so you know you could actually see where where he turned and and i always found that very romantic you know it was always uh sort of a very visceral connection to him and uh, my father now keeps it at his bedside um so what was interesting for me was that that song grounded the experience of making the album in many ways because in in a way, it didn't actually harken back to another time, <laughs> but it harkened back to my own to my own childhood, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to trying to you know envision or trying to find you know the shtetl or trying to you know it, it really had nothing to do with that. It, it had to do with I mean it it does, uh, but it had to do with my own my own experience. Um, and uh, what's interesting is that you know when when my father heard that song and I never told him that that's what inspired me he said uh, it makes him think of you know the book that <laughs> he keeps by his bedside and, and I was floored like I just thought like f- for a very specific he guessed it symbol yeah, yeah to have you know transcended the music um, so I could never hold tears back when I sang the solo uh, and you know I think for that very reason I thought it would be beautiful to to have on the album and and it kind of you know it wasn't it wasn't easy in deciding where to put the, the song on the album because as you said it 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 doesn't necessarily flow you know with 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 the rest of the songs in fact the producer probably su- or he suggested at some point maybe putting it kind of after you know because the album follows the song Anigan um, it begins with it and it ends with it. So there's a sort of circular idea. Um, but I needed, for me, it was integral and, uh, uh, you know, and I kind of love the way that, that it, you know, all of a sudden, and then, you know, as the album is ending, you, you hear this effort, you know, effortful quality sort of come out and, and, uh, yeah. Well, it's a great song. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have an image to go with it like you do, but right. but uh, but it's a it, it, it's a very uh, good song uh, nonetheless for me. Um, now, some of it is the, the album is in Yiddish, some is in English. How'd you decide about that, or or just the, the way the songs came, or or how'd that work? Well, it wasn't this is my first time of sort of conceiving of of making an album. It's the first one that actually made you know got completely produced in that and. Uh, in the past, I thought about possibly doing something more eclectic. There's a, a great kind of cabaret singer, Canadian Patricia O'Callaghan, who does you know these very eclectic albums in multiple languages. And um, but when you know I finally decided to do this, it it it, it struck me that it, it had to be, 
you know, completely grounded in, in the Yiddish language, a hundred percent in terms of the material. Uh, but I also am concerned, like like a lot of people, of how someone you know experiences this. You know, I'm I'm not convinced that uh, you know when someone finishes listening to something in Yiddish or Swahili or whatever, and they say, "Oh, it really," you know, I didn't understand it, but I was affected by it. I, I believe that the the poetry is is at times very complicated and and uh and very beautiful and if people don't have an opportunity to to really hear it i feel like they're being robbed of something that said uh it would affect you know it would compromise the work if if uh you know if it was always being translated mm-hmm. simultaneously or something like that so we included the lyrics so i wanted to come up with a way that people could you know close their eyes and listen to the whole album uh, and have some access to the language. Uh, and so we played around with, at, you know, at the sort of first concert before we recorded, we played around with sort of theatrical interludes or, you know, at times where we're, um, when I say we, I'm referring to the other singer, Aviva Chernik and I, where we speak in English or we introduce a song. We played around with different ways of, you know, the two of us or someone is singing and someone else is reading. Mm-hmm. Um, and... That afford, you know, that that became a bit easier in the studio because we had certain devices to uh, to take, you know, speaking or English and, and turn it into something a bit more theatrical. Um, so, although uh, the only singing on the album in in English is "Unter uh, deiner Weiße Stern" because a very popular um, translation of that song, um, you know, emerged and and people are, are quite familiar with, with this version that goes back from English to Yiddish and something that I had lived with. Um, so I included that. Um, otherwise, it's, you know, the only English on the album are these sort of theatrical interludes that um, hopefully someone who's listening can, you know, glean a bit more uh, of the language. And that, that, was, that was sort of the intent. And frankly, it's a bit it's been a bit risky because not, you know, not everyone likes it. It, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, Marcello Mogolevsky from Buenos Aires, when I asked him about it, he said, Oh, English, you know, language of the imperialists, uh, you know, it's it rubs me the wrong way, but it's your native language. So, you know, uh, <laughs> um, you know, ranging from that to, to people that say why, you know, it sounds very, um, pedagogical or something. Uh, had you considered a, a Spanish song for the album? <laughs> to actually sing in Spanish? Yeah. No. Or have him uh, sing? No? No, no, I hadn't. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe the next, yeah, maybe I'll, maybe that would have been the way to get around that. Uh, <laughs> e- equality uh, something. Yeah, right. And then we had to do, you know, a song in, in, in Ukrainian, because Boris uh, <laughs> yeah. is his first language. Um, no, you know, I I don't see myself you know continuing to make i mean there's you know i have an idea for another you know yiddish album tied to a show but but i uh have great desires to make you know my next album in in english and uh i also grew up speaking french so i want to make you know an album that's sort of a great you know a tribute to to you know the cabaret and, and and charles Aznavour and so in, in that sense, and why I bring that up is that this was very much a very specific, you know, intent mm. uh, linguistically um, to to keep it in Yiddish, 
you know, yet, yet I really want, I realize that only a fraction of people um, speak Yiddish, so I wanted there to be a way for there to be, at the very least, the beginnings of, you know, uh, of the specific narrative that's, that's involved. Well, Yiddish, even if you don't understand it, it's a beautiful language to listen to. So uh, for me, not being you know fluent in the language, at least having the, the translation there and then being able to listen to it, you know, it's it it, it makes for a good experience anyway. Yeah, I mean, we you know th- those of us that love to listen to music, you know, I know the radio stations that I listen to in Toronto, uh, they're playing a whole I mean a whole range of music. You know, uh, I mean that's my favorite you know way to listen to music is to be jumping around. Um, and yeah, I, I love to hear music from, from many traditions. Uh, I just often find myself, that's about halfway through a song or something, just, you know, if, 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 if there's a refrain that repeats it, you know, three or four times. But the second or third time, I, I want to know, you know, uh, when I've sort of gotten through the initial, um, you know, reaction to hearing the music, I, I really want to know what it's specifically about. Uh, I feel like that w- augments augments the experience, uh, and we're used to that. And we're used to that in, in in the opera, and you know, and like you said, I mean, I very deliberately uh, included all of the lyrics in the album, um, so people could 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 read them. Uh, but just in case they want to close their eyes, and you know, um, we, we we you know we took that that approach. Of course, everybody can sing "Cherry Berry Bomb." I mean, yes, that's, that's, there you go. <laughs> you've got one that doesn't take does take a lot of uh, effort to learn that one. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you get everybody singing along with that most of the time. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> so, uh, tell me a little bit about um, your your background and how you came to um, focusing on the Yiddish music. It it uh, you know it, I wouldn't say it was a fluke because. You know, uh, now now I understand a bit more about why this this occurred in my life. But I was, I'm trying to think how old I was, twenty uh, two or so. Um, I'm thirty now, so about 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 eight years ago. Um, I had been singing, you know, most of my life, and and uh, did a lot of musical theater throughout my my late teens and. Uh, went to theater school and and you know was performing. Um, I don't know if at that point I was performing too professionally, but but doing some concerts. And I was invited in Toronto by uh, friends of Yiddish, which is a local Yiddish organization, to sing around Hanukkah time in December. Um, and they said, just give it a shot. You know, uh, two songs. I don't remember what they were at this point, uh, but I uh, sang them phonetically. And after that, they said, why don't, you know, you apply to get some money to go study Yiddish at Columbia University. Uh, I said, okay, <laughs> New York City for a summer? Sure, why not? You know, who, who, wouldn't, who wouldn't want to do that? And at that point, I had already been involved with the Ashkenaz Festival and was hired shortly after that as the assistant uh, artistic director. Um, which was a whole new, you know, so, so everything started to kind of, you know, come together. Um, I found out too, that it wasn't very hard to get money to study Yiddish. Um, you know, there are struggling PhD candidates out there studying, you know, whatever 
marginal, you know, uh, and I, my suggestion is if you can tie it into something, you know, Yiddish or Jewish, there's, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, bursary money out there because as soon as I mentioned that I wanted to learn Yiddish, uh, I had scholarships from five different sources and the, the truth is I spent most of that summer because it was actually my first time to New York, um, going to the theater and trying to study with, you know, my textbook hanging over the edge of the balcony at Carnegie Hall or whatever. Uh, so I had mixed feelings because, you know, as anybody who's listening will know, when you start learning a new language, no matter how enamored you are of it, it's an incredibly humbling experience. You know, you spend hours and hours on end, you know, learning how to say, uh, I have to go to the bathroom or, you know, uh, um, I like this book. Uh, so it, it's, it can be monotonous until you gain a facility. Uh, and I just didn't have the, you know, the, the zitzflesh. I didn't have the sitting power to, to do this. I was in Manhattan and I was hell bent on getting as much theater in that summer as possible. So as fate would have it, I met a woman that summer who was also in the program, but in the advanced, um, in the advanced, uh, class, um, and, uh, you know, we, we kept in touch. And after the summer, because she lived in Poland, after the summer, I, I said, you know, I'm not, I'm not really continuing this anymore. It really wasn't, you know, it was a great experience. Um, she came to visit me and, and we uh, got engaged. <laughs> uh, and I think, you know, in many ways, she was a, the lecturer of Yiddish at Warsaw University uh, at the time until she moved to Canada. So there was a bit of influence there. And I continued to study at U of T. I did all the courses that they had in the German department. Um, we spent a summer in Vilnius uh, in 2003. Uh, by that point, I was, you know, in the advanced class. Uh, we started our own Yiddish seminar in Toronto. We brought in Professor Avram Lichtenboim from Buenos Aires to do an advanced literature class. We went to the Alsace program, and it just... and and. Early on in that story, I also took over the Ashkenaz festival. So, you know, from uh, you know, from resisting <laughs> any idea of of doing my homework to uh, to speaking fluently and and uh, you know and, and marrying a Yiddishist, it, it's sort of uh, <laughs> sort of Bashert, huh? Yeah, sort of Bashert. Yeah, kind of. Uh, you know, thing, things things deepened, and and going back to you know how you initially asked the question, what what inspired me? I think it took going through the past you know seven years to really to really know uh, to know what that meant. Uh, because you could have continued to sing these songs phonetically, right? And you know, nobody would have noticed. Well, maybe people that know Yiddish would have would have noticed the difference, but. To a general audience, you know, it would have been fine, right? Yeah, well, there are, you know, there are a lot of singers and even opera singers who learn, you know, very skillfully how to sing another language. But uh, what I was going to say was, and I actually brought the book with me here, um, was that when we were in Vilnius that summer and I finally had come to a level where I could read, uh, you know, a fairly sophisticated text, we discovered a book written by my great uncle uh, who had been born in Vilnius and who was part of the, you know, intelligentsia with, along with, uh, you know, uh, Avram Sutskever and Avram Karpinovich. And uh, he had written a book chronicling my family's history for five generations uh, with pictures going back five generations. 
and also describing in some detail the you know how most of my family had been lost um, and it's written in Yiddish and I always wondered to myself you know if I had had to ask someone what does it say what did, you know what what's you know what did, it would have it would have been a far cry from the experience of me unravel you know unwrapping this book. I still remember in the lecture hall because we had a lecture that day, opening it very quickly. You know, turning to to this because I never found out from my grandfather what what occurred, and it completely breaking me that here I am back in Vilnius, where we have two hundred year history that I didn't know about, uh, and I happen to find out when I'm studying Yiddish there. I mean, it just, you know, it's, um, I think we all have these, um, we all have the possibility in our life of, you know, of, of sort of uncovering uh, and digging and, and, you know, as the Taoists say, sort of getting into the, the flow. And I was very fortunate and felt very lucky to, to have, you know, pushed forward. And, and I don't think it was an easy journey. And that was part of the you know, it's part of the thing in life. It's sometimes when we don't like something, it doesn't mean that <laughs> that we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't pursue and 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 just just find out a bit more about why we, uh, you know, why why we're in that place. So it's come to mean, you know, a tremendous amount to to be familiar with this language, and you know, uh, probably on the top of that list is being able to, you know, still carry on a very intimate relationship with my grandmother. Uh, and and know her as a person, not just a, you know, not through the guise of a of a third or fourth language that, mm. that she had to acquire as a result of you know, immigration, but the language that she you know, yeah, that she she dreams in. <laughs> so will you be writing new uh, Yiddish songs then as well? You know, I've thought about it. Uh, I wrote a Yiddish song when my grandfather died, um, and. Uh, uh, I, I've thought about it, but I, I, I don't know. You know, I, I kind of, uh, like many people, you know, suffer from the syndrome that I wish, you know, the day had 35 hours in it. And, you know, there are a number of, of projects that are very, very close to me right now. And I don't, at the present time, find myself, you know, naturally sitting down to to, to write to write new songs in Yiddish in particular. Um, I am uh, working on a piece of musical theater that will have, you know, Yiddish uh, narrative in it about the life of Seymour Rechtzeit. And so that probably comes the closest, you know, to to having to struggle on that level with writing, you know, except that, you know, people can... can uh, yeah, so t- <laughs> find out how they can uh, find your CD and, and contact you it's, and book you or whatever. It's... Uh, my name, you know, is is my web domain, so it's www.mitchsmolkin.com, which is spelled uh, S-M-O-L-K-I-N. And if you go to the website, there's information on how to buy the CD. There's a link right on the on the homepage to buy it online. If you don't happen to live in in Toronto, but hopefully it'll be you know in stores uh, <laughs> in worldwide. Other, in worldwide. <laughs> uh, but it's easy enough to buy it online and. Uh, and you know, also uh, uh, we are planning to to tour in the states, uh, in Canada and, and in Europe uh, throughout the next you know couple of years. So uh, if people like what they hear, you know, send me an email uh, at mitch at mitchsmolkin dot com, and and you know, be great to work out bringing the group there. I mean, it's um, 
you know, people have often said to me, uh, uh, you know, this is kind of impractical, you know, to, to bring together musicians from, from so many countries. And, uh, um, I don't think I did this to, you know, to be practical. If I want to be practical, there are many other professions (laughs) (laughs) that have a much more practical bent, you know, even, even though of course, uh, you know, being in the arts takes very practical, hard work, but it was, uh, an inspiration and i think i think it was very it was in fact i know it was worthwhile um to to do it uh from from the sheer joy that we experienced making it and uh you know and the communion with the audiences that have had a chance to hear it so far right so uh, the audiences have been uh, well receptive to your material so far yeah i'm always careful you know especially having been in in a position of of hiring you know, artists, it's, it's tough to talk about that when I am the, the one, (laughs) you know, promoting my own work. Um, I've been really grateful for the, the response, uh, from the audience, even if, even if they were lying, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's been, it's been quite a, a powerful journey. We have had two, you know, the two times that we've, uh, performed it in Toronto, they've, they've both been sold out in advance of the show. Um, and it's just been a really nice feeling to have that much support behind the project. So I think it's a thrilling ride for people. Uh, I think that the, uh, I t- you know, the person who reviewed the album most recently in a, in a music journal, a Canadian music journal called whole note. I don't know her. I know of her. Uh, and she was very, um, accurate, uh, in her, Right, you know, in her assessment, uh, sort of bringing to light things about, you know, my own, uh, professional life that, you know, after six years of, of, you know, receiving hundreds of submissions and listening and, uh, I was able to take that and translate it into something very personal. Yet I think I brought together a group of musicians that are exceptionally interesting to, uh, to listen to and, you know, furthermore, to hear them all together is is a whole other story. So, uh, I think it's a great uh, I think it's a great combination of talent and uh, um, and not only that, it's not really it's not a job. You know, for the musicians, it's it's uh, you know it, it's something that that really really excites them, and and I think that translates you know in the show quite a bit. Great. Well, uh, wish you good luck with the album. Uh, and your performance here this week. It's been great to meet you and talk with you. And uh, thanks for being on the Klesmer Podcast. Well, Keith, thanks for thanks for doing this. You know, it takes takes people like you to take the time and, and have the energy to really to get this out to people. So I'm really grateful that, that you're doing it and that you had me on and you came to La Jolla to, you know, <laughs> to make this happen. So thanks. Okay, thank you. Hello, this is Roberto Rodriguez, listening to klesmerpodcast.com. Check it out. Okay, I'm back. That was my interview with Mitch Smolkin. I'd like to thank Mitch for appearing on the podcast, and I encourage you to check out his CD, A Song is Born. It's one of my favorite Yiddish CDs, and Mitch has become one of my favorite Yiddish singers. So that's it for Klezmer Podcast, episode 44. Remember, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, 
or if you have a band that would like to be interviewed or have your music played on the podcast, or if you have a recent or soon-to-be-released CD you would like me to review, please write to me at keith at klezmerpodcast.com. The website is www.klezmerpodcast.com, and you can reach me on MySpace at myspace.com slash klezmerpodcast. I'm also now on Facebook. I have a fan page there, so please become a fan of Klezmer Podcast on Facebook. So thanks for listening. Please stay subscribed, tell your friends, and until next time, bye for now.